Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, Dokeleys, today we are doing our season four recap. So I think at the top of the episode, I just have to ask Beth, what did you think? I liked season four. Mm-hmm. I really did like season four. I'm going to be real. I think it was a rocky start. Mm-hmm. I think the first couple of episodes, I was kind of like, eh, these are fine. Yeah. These are fine. But then, like, as the season got on, mm-hmm. I think that it was really good. I definitely will say, no hesitation, this is the most, maybe cohesive, Yeah. definitely the most satisfying, overarching mm-hmm. story that so, we've had yeah. so far. Like, without question, without mm-hmm. a doubt, this is the most satisfying arc that we've had as a overarching plot. And also, I think, actually, in terms of characterization... It is the season where I have felt that there has been the most continuity in mm-hmm. terms of being able to track a character's development without it being a specific plot point. Because mm-hmm. obviously, like with Nate, particularly in the first couple of seasons, like he was having character growth, but it was like plot specific. Like yeah. it was his drinking, which was causing huge issues, or it was like his whole like, am I a thief? Am I a blah, blah, blah? Like, which was like causing issues. Obviously, also in season two, we had Sophie being absent, which ended up being plot significant. Like, that's... It's the first time we've had real growth without it being a problem, quote unquote. Yeah, like this was like, I feel like this season, particularly like with Hardison, we were able to see, you know, him kind of like earlier on. I don't think it was actually maybe this season, maybe it was in season three, where he was talking today about he wanted to run a crew at some point. And mm-hmm. then through this season we really got development of that we saw him attempt to run a job it didn't really work but then by the end of the season he was kind of incidentally running a job and so i feel like that is probably the most cohesive character development we've seen without it being specifically like hey we're gonna beat you over the head with this because it's specific to the plot yeah and also in that we also get uh parker having archie refer to her as his daughter which is like a big thing for her Again, like it's not like plot relevant, but it's something that we've kind of been building to over a few episodes. Like, so I feel like it has definitely felt more cohesive than mm-hmm. previous seasons, and I like the overarching plot a lot better than previous seasons. So I think ultimately, this is probably my favorite season we've had so far. Yeah, it's just whether season five comes through and tops it or not. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Which, like, to be fair. Season, I'm a season four girl. Like season four is my favorite yeah, I know. of the seasons. <laughs> For me, what I really love about season four is it's just so consistent. Like, yeah, every single episode feels like it has a point, basically. Like, I think what a lot of the earlier seasons sort of struggle with is some of it just feels really disconnected from the rest of the season. So you can yeah. have some episodes that feel just really disjointed or out of place. Whereas I think season four is definitely the strongest in terms of like, you know, even like at the start of the season, you're like, I, you weren't really vibing with some of the episodes, but those episodes are crucial for where the characters end up. Yeah. They are the touch point of this is where the team is starting the season so that, you know, by the time we hit the end of the season, sort of where they started to where they are. So like, you know, especially the murder mystery episode, like, Personally, it's not my favorite episode, but I also think it's absolutely fucking crucial to ask the audience early on, do we think Nate would actually murder somebody? Yeah, exactly. Is that ever going to be something that would be theoretically in character for him so that by the time we get to the finale, finale, we know, no, 
Mm. And that's what I was saying, like, when we were discussing the finale, like, we did talk about that episode, and I was like, we had a whole fucking episode about this. Like, Mm -hmm. we know what the answer is. And I think that that really lent itself into something interesting. And so, yeah, I, I fully agree with your assessment. I think the first maybe three or four episodes, I was just kind of like, this is fine. Like... It was it was leverage. It mm-hmm. wasn't it didn't not feel like leverage. It it's just leverage, felt, it's a fun time, but it's it, it didn't feel like anything mm-hmm. particularly special. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm gonna go back and rewatch this episode, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. But as the season got on, there were less episodes that felt like that and more episodes where I started to have a lot of trouble rating them because it ended up being like, I think this episode will be better mm-hmm. when I go back and rewatch it because I I know that they're putting stuff here. Like I can feel it. I, I see that they're drawing attention to things. I just don't understand it yet. You know? And so I feel like the rewatchability of this season is also much higher than the previous three. And I think part of that is because of the narrative cohesion, mm. because they are putting in foreshadowing, because they are putting in these hints that I personally think are way more like thought through mm-hmm. potentially than previous seasons, or at least they feel like their placement makes sense. Whereas I think in previous seasons, like some of what, you know, you might say is quote unquote foreshadowing. Like I'm saying quote unquote for a reason. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think it actually classes as foreshadowing as such. Whereas this season, I feel like I could tell something was foreshadowing. I just couldn't quite figure out why. To be fair, like I don't think really any season of leverage you could describe as like a single cohesive, like, you know, all the... All the strings, like, secretly tie together sort of plot line. Mm-hmm. But this is certainly the closest we get to it. And it's really interesting that when Leverage did do, you know, the closest thing they've ever done to a plot line where, you know, all of the pieces tie together and everything is a tightly cohesive story, it's in characters. Yeah. Like, almost exclusively it is characters that are, you know, the character development and the the plot lines of the team and their relationships, that's where it all comes into play. It's not in, like, an actual plot line. It is in the character story that they are telling the season. Yeah. But I think that even in the in both the character stuff and the, like, actual overarching story stuff, I think both were more cohesive this season. Mm-hmm. And that is such a fucking breath of fresh air for me because, like you were saying, like, a lot of early seasons leverage is really, like, you can kind of chop and change it and watch it in kind of almost whatever order you want. There are some specific things that you have to watch in sequence because yeah. like like when Sophie leaves, it's kind of like, well, you need to know that she's left before you like, who the fuck is this Tara woman? Yeah. Like, you know, there are some stuff that specifically needs to be sequential. But a lot of it, like our fucking streaming services mixed up so many episodes in season mm-hmm. one and like it doesn't matter really. You know, you can watch it in kind of any order except for maybe the pilot and the finale. Yeah. But even like even actually this season, like we had a couple of episodes that were all swapped around on our streaming services, and it was like it, it wouldn't have really impacted anything. Like it didn't really impact anything. But I think that the way that the episodes were rearranged, like they'd had like the boys' night um in and the girls' night out, mm-hmm. like still back to back. Like yeah. you have to have those two back to back. It was just that they were like two episodes later or earlier than something yeah. else. And so like if it, it just felt more cohesive and also i will say this season and i don't know if this is just because i'm just used to leverage now or like because i'm just genuinely like enjoying it more now Mm -hmm. but this season definitely had more instances of me taking less notes purely because i was just like i just want to watch the episode 
Like, I don't actually want to watch it specifically to be like, oh, I'm going to stop and pause it and take a note and play it again. Like, I actually just want to watch it through because I'm vibing. Like, I'm having a good time. Mm-hmm. And I just want to watch the episode and enjoy it. And so it's kind of, like, annoying that I have to stop and take notes <laughs> because I'm like, God damn, like, I'm, I'm vibing and I'm laughing and then, like, I'm just enjoying the media that I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And I think that this season has certainly had the most episodes like that where I'm like, oh, I'm just genuinely enjoying this for what it is and I'm not really thinking about it analytically because I'm just like I'm not in that mindset and I think what's really interesting about leverage is it's it's just like always a vibey show like and I know we compare it to supernatural a lot and to be fair that is for very obvious reasons yeah like as much as they're very different shows they're also the same show just in a bad hat like they're (laughs) doing the they're doing the Nate the Nate version of you know hiding what it is you know, they're just very compatible shows, is I, I think are probably a really good way to put it. Which like, is such a... Like, you're correct. I agree with you. But it's just such a funny concept. Like, because looking at these two shows on paper, you would not expect them to be so comparable. No. But the way that the characters have been written and developed, it does allow for a lot of cross-section discussion. Mm-hmm. And, like, also... I, before I ever watched Leverage, I knew that there was a lot of Leverage Supernatural crossover fanfiction. Mm-hmm. I think actually we did the maths on it at some point. Yeah. And it was like something like 30% of all Leverage fanfiction was Supernatural crossover. Yeah. Like, it was like a huge portion. It's insane can for so much of the fanfiction of one show to be kind of fan fiction for another show. For another show. But yeah. I get why. And it's mm-hmm. not just because there's a lot of actors who cross over and, and bits and pieces. Though that does make for really fun Easter eggs. Yeah. I also think that it's just that a lot of the characters, like the characters of Supernatural. Fit would, perfectly in here. Would map perfectly into leverage. Like mm-hmm. they ultimately, they're just silly goofy boys, but they've been put in a universe that doesn't allow them to be. No. You know, and so I feel like if they were allowed to be in the world of leverage, they, they could be silly goofy boys. Seamlessly. And they'd have so much fun. Can you imagine how much fun the supernatural boys would have in like the leverage universe? The way that Hardison and Dean would immediately sit down and watch every single episode of Dr. Sexy. I cannot emphasize Can I, enough yeah. how certain I am of that fact, mm. you know? And, you know, Parker and Cass are like, yeah, we don't get it (laughs) let's go teach children crimes (laughs) like the energies are there you know and so I think that yeah this season it just it just had I don't know like for some reason I don't know if it's like I said I don't know if it's just because I'm used to leverage now and I'm just like I enjoy it just as a show but I just felt found myself more often just sort of sitting there and enjoying myself and forgetting that I was supposed to be taking notes I think with season four, the episodes are just baseline a higher quality than mm. the previous episodes. And I I don't know why. Like, they just – something about them and something about the way they construct the storylines in season four. And I think I, – I think they just – they try a lot of things in season four, and I think a lot of it really pans out. Yeah. One of the other things that I wanted to mention about the season in general is they did a lot of concept episodes, mm-hmm. which I think is just really fun. Like the whole girls night out, boys night in as mm-hmm. a concept, fucking genius. And it the way that they applied it and executed it, so good. Like those episodes are fantastic conceptually, but also in their execution. Like, and then the office job is another one which was just like phenomenal. Like they just, yeah. they were like, we're going to play with genre. 
and we're just going to fucking ace it. Like, it was so fun. And I think that that really, like, one thing that I often struggle with with leverage with these particular episodes we do about it is that I find that because so much happens in one episode and because all the episodes are kind of like not really linked together by a plot. I struggle mm. to differentiate which one is which. Yes. So a lot of the time I'm like, oh, what's that episode where XYZ happens when I'm referencing back? Because I don't fucking remember. Mm-hmm. Like the only things I remember typically are like, you know, I talk a lot about the um, uh, the wedding job in the first season because I hated it. And so it sticks out. Mm. But episodes that are good and that I just generally like all kind of blur together for me. And I find it very difficult to distinguish individual episodes out from like Mm -hmm. just the general watch. This season, there were so many like episodes that were specifically playing with genre or specifically, you know, uniquely identifiable by -hmm. something other than just like which mark they were facing against Mm -hmm. or which location they were in. Because sometimes it's like, the only way that I remember the episode is I'm like, oh yeah, that's the one, like the gone fishing job. That's the one where Elliot and Hardison spend most of the episode in the woods. Like that's the only reason that I remember that episode as a specific episode. They normally, like they always play with setting. Yeah. So this season they always, they seem to lean into playing with genre more as well. Yeah. Which like they've always played with setting. They've always played with the genre, but this season just is like a cut above. Like, it's just, it seems a lot more intentional how they yeah. play with genre and settings and that. Mm-hmm. So, like the Van Gogh job. Mm-hmm. There is no other episode of Leverage that is like mm-hmm. the Van Gogh job. Like, as much as I loved it, right? The hot potato job. Yeah. I really enjoy that episode. Mm-hmm. But I have a particular vested interest in GMOs. <laughs> so, like, for me, that's why it stands out. Mm-hmm. If that was just an episode that I didn't have a vested interest mm-hmm. in separately... I would probably completely forget everything about it, except maybe there was a potato. That's the unique thing about that episode. And like, otherwise you could put that next to basically any other episode and be like, okay, what is the identifiable difference? In terms of vibes for me, the one that the uh, hot potato job reminds me of is the double blind job. Like, I don't know what it is about those two episodes. They, They have different plots. They have different, but the vibes are very similar. Like, I feel like they also have the similar vibes to, like, the inside job and also the top hat job. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, oh, they're breaking into a high-tech, you know, food business. Like, that is... Yeah. Beyond that, there's not a lot of actual differentiation in terms of concepts. So I think what this season does really well is it does really make sure it leans into the genre of it all Mm -hmm. so that they do become a bit more memorable individually. Yeah. Or even, like... Like, looking through the list of episodes this season, there are some that I see and I'm like, oh, I remember that vividly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot more that I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that vividly. Then if I scroll through my season three notes, my season two notes, my yeah. season one notes. But there are a couple here that I'm still like, yeah, I... Like, yeah. I am I would have to, like, specifically go back and jog my memory. Like, mm-hmm. the Ten Little Grifters job, I have... That's the murder mystery one. See, but I just... The I don't name know, I don't doesn't know the name yeah. because every single time I read it, I think it's the hot potato. Also, I job. did some more research into the Ten Little Grifter job. Turns out that's like the title is actually kind of low key racist. Oh, like the references to the Ten Little Indians, which is oh not fully racist, but kind of low key, a little bit icky racist. So, like, let's just acknowledge that here. Yeah. Okay. And let's just call it the murder mystery job. Sure, because 
that title, I always think that it's the fucking hot potato job because mm-hmm. of the school kids. Yeah. And like, so I always look at it, I'm like, I don't fucking know what that is. No. Yeah, I don't know. Just a lot of the episodes felt more specifically memorable this season. Mm-hmm. And while we're talking about I episodes, what were your top episodes of the season? What were your faves? God, see, this is actually quite... Not, mm-hmm. Here's the problem. Normally it's hard because I struggle to remember any of the individual yeah. episodes. This time it's hard because I remember a bunch mm-hmm. and I liked a lot of them. Like, I really liked a lot of them. I think I'm going to discount the season finale episodes. Yeah. Purely because they're season finales. So mm-hmm. I, they're kind of like a separate caliber. I yeah. did really like them. But I'm going to try and focus on the majority of the, like, season. Also, you finally got to really meet Mr. Quinn. So, like... Yeah. And he is everyone's favourite little shit. So... I, I've got to be real. I think he's fine. I You told me that he's, like, a fandom. Like, oh, yeah. everyone loves him. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like when you said that same thing about Moreau, I'm like, I mean, he's fine, I guess. He's just, like, another dude. Like, he's... I feel like I feel about these two men how you feel about Sam and Dean. I'm like, yeah. they're fine. I, I don't really care. Honestly, I think a lot of the appeal about, like, Quinn and Moreau is the potential within their relationships to Elliot. Because mm. Elliot is a character that we don't see a lot of, like, explicit canon... Background. Background-y stuff. Sure. So that when we, we do get a character like this who's really easy to ship with Elliot, it's a lot of fun okay. sort of... So it's more like a little a little nugget of yeah, like a little treats for the fandom. Yeah, it's it's less it's less that these characters are inherently really interesting and more like they're the just Ken to Elliot's Barbie. Okay, <laughs> I love that. Okay, if that makes sense, like if that makes complete sense. If you just good, said that the first time, I would have been totally on board. <laughs> like if it, like they're just they're fun prop pieces to mess with Elliot with, which is a lot of fun because that's the entire reason of like. Being in fandom is you get to mess with your favorite characters a little bit. Like if yeah. they're not measurable, what's the point? Wait, like, fuck that's supernatural philosophy. <laughs> the brain worms. <laughs> the brain worms. <laughs> they're rearing their heads. <laughs> so, to answer your question, mm-hmm. I think I really, really loved the girls' night out and the boys' night yeah. in. I'm classing them kind of as one episode. Yeah. I really loved that because I think the concept was so fun. I mm-hmm. think it was executed really well and. I talked a lot when we actually covered those episodes, yeah. how the comedy, I think, was so perfectly mm-hmm. organized. Like, I just think it was really, really well done. And so, like, not just from a general audience, like, viewing perspective did I think it was good, but I think, like, the technicalities of the way that they wrote it, the way that they edited mm-hmm. it, the way that they used music cues and props and, like, all of those things just, they really were on the same page. Everyone was sharing yeah. the brain. The concepts of the episodes are just so good to have the team split up and have the mm-hmm. two episodes occupying the t- same sort of time space. Yeah, and without it feeling repetitive or boring. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think the really easy thing to fall into there is to have too much overlap mm-hmm. and give too much away. And then you're kind of like, I'm just watching basically the same episode twice. Yeah. And like, you want to avoid that. So I think that the way that they did it was actually very well balanced and immensely enjoyable. And I think mm-hmm. that, again, like, it increases the rewatchability because you go back over them and you find even more. And so I I really love those. And I think that another one that I really, really enjoyed was The Office Job for a lot of the same reasons. I think that they leaned into the genre in a way that was really, really fun and, like, immediately recognisable, mm-hmm. but also they put, like, their own spin on it. 
And I also loved that as an episode, there was so much that was chosen like artistically, like the water cooler, like mm-hmm. the like slowly dwindling down yeah. with like the bubble. And so- it makes perfect sense because the whole idea is it's meant to be like, it's a little bit of like the found footage of like this documentary that yeah. this dude is fucking putting together. Yeah. It's literally the ghost faces yeah. from Supernatural, but mm. put it into like, you know. And-, and make it this one weird German dude who's kind of creepy. Like, yeah. And I remember basically my only critique of that episode being that I didn't like the way he behaved around Parker. Mm. And I will stand by that. But everything else about that episode, the way it was crafted, the way they played with the genre, the way they made it their own. The ways that even though it was just like a silly fun episode, you could genuinely look at like you can analyze it. Like you could analyze the techniques that they'd used and, you know, all of this stuff. I just thought it was very fun. So that one definitely is also up there. The hot potato job goes without saying. I just loved that one because it gave me an excuse to talk about GMOs. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. A, a lot of them were really fun. Mm-hmm. This Oh, and the Van Gogh job, I yeah. think. Also goes without saying. Yeah. That one was... It's just uh, an absolutely beautiful episode. Like... Yeah. Everything about the Van Gogh job is just absolutely fucking gorgeous. Mm. Like, it's just so pretty, you know? And Leverage, I don't think, is a show that really lends itself into being pretty. Because of the genre of it all, typically it doesn't... Just doesn't allow for it to be. Yeah. It's very... Typically, Leverage is very sleek, modern, Mm. fast-paced. And it's like, that makes a lot of sense, given the Mm. genre that it is. But because they are allowing themselves to play with the genre so much, it allows them to expand into this other time period. And then the techniques that they are using have to reflect the time period that they're trying to portray. And yeah, it was just so lovely, that episode. And I think that the actors aced it. So that leads us into what were your least favorite episodes of the season? This is actually uh, relatively easy, if I'm being totally honest. I didn't like the carnival job. Okay, yeah. And I I don't really, like I said, when the episode mm. came out, I don't know if that's a hot take, really. But I just didn't vibe with it basically at all. Like, I just, at no point was I particularly engrossed in it. I didn't really believe any of the things they were trying to sell me. Like, it kind of feels like playing D&D and, like, some character is lying to you and you roll perception and you get, like, a nat 20. I'm like, yeah. I just don't – whatever you're trying to sell me, I just don't believe it. Mm. Like, I just – I'm not vibing with what you're telling me. Like, I don't believe the relationship that Elliot and the kid were supposed to have formed mm-hmm. at all. I just didn't – yeah. I think that has to be my least favorite of the season. Mm-hmm. Just I just wasn't vibing with it. That's okay. Do you have any other ones that you just didn't love that you wanted to mention here? Yeah, I didn't love the Long Way Down job. Like, as Mm -hmm. a season opener, I didn't love it. I thought that it was an okay episode. I think Mm -hmm. that Sophie was, like, killing it, doing Mm -hmm. her multiple scams all in one room kind of thing. And I think that there were some, obviously, like, important character moments, particularly, like, with Elliot and with Parker in the cave and Nate uh, in the tent. But... There were a lot of things in that episode where I was like, I just, I just didn't love. Mm -hmm. And like, even like the serious moments with like Elliot and Parker, I remember there being like this really serious thing where it was like a moment where Parker was like, do you think he died in here or something? And I was like, what the fuck do you think, babe? Like, I love you, but what a dumb piece of dialogue. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I, so I think that there were just a couple of things about that episode where I was like, I 
just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I personally think that's a you problem, but that's okay. Oh, look, honestly, the thing is with leverage, and I've talked about this before, most of the time for me to like pick episodes that I would sort of value less, I am nitpicking. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have to because they are usually quite a consistent like level If you don't nitpick, good. we have nothing to talk about. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what episodes did you not like? I'd be like, they were all fine. <laughs> like, that's a much... That's not a very interesting discussion. So, like, yeah, I will nitpick because they have set their standard to a level. So when they dip below it, like, that's just when I... That's what I have to work with. And, like, I didn't like the carnival job basically at all. And the other ones, like... There were things that I liked. There were things that I didn't. The one that stood out is like one of the least enjoyable for me personally. It's the long way down job. Other than that, I didn't love the Ten Little Grifters just generally. Like I understood the concept of it, but something about it, I was just kind of bored. And like, it kind of felt Mm. like an episode where I should be having fun and engaged Mm. like the whole episode, but I just kind of wasn't. Also the 15 minutes job. I Mm. don't even remember what that was about. That was 15 minutes of fame. Well, I knew that Mm. because I remembered from our discussion. But, like, I have... Yeah. Oh, that was that guy that they were desperately trying to get to do anything good. Yeah. I just remember... the. I remember the bit where Sophie was running after the pram and thinking Mm. that that was fucking hilarious. And the old woman hitting him with a bag. Yeah. Or Elliot with a bag. It has some iconic moments, but I think on the whole, it's a very... It's very forgettable, clearly. It's an episode of Leverage. It's, like, the standard level of fun, but there's nothing really special about it is probably the way i yeah and i think honestly like of the season four episodes i said earlier like it was really just the episodes at the start of the season where Mm -hmm. i'm like not really that vibey with the Mm -hmm. cross my heart job was also kind of like fine i think that there was some fun stuff in it but i also don't Mm -hmm. feel like i would be dying to go back to it and honestly as much as i love sterling the queen's gambit job probably falls into that basket too yeah of like it was fine there were good things in it, you know. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's just nothing really that stands out about it. Yeah. In like, like a, in, and there's yeah. a really good or bad way. It's just like, it's fine. It's fine in the way every episode of Leverage is fine. Yeah. There's nothing about it that really makes you go, oh, I want to go back and rewatch that one. Yeah. And or there were like little things in it, which like, I'm not going to get into now, but like, if you want to go back and hear my opinions on it, feel free mm-hmm. to go back and listen to those episodes. But the, I could nitpick and be like, that doesn't make sense. Or, like, I don't understand why you would make that choice. Or, like, that dialogue seemed weird. You know, and that's probably what sets them apart from episodes that I did really like. Yeah. All right, lovely. So let's talk about characters. How are you feeling about Nate Ford at the end of the season? I think that Nate is a really interesting character. Mm -hmm. I've said a lot that I'm kind of been a bit bored with the direction that they take him because it seems to be very repetitive. Yeah. Like, it seems like every season he's faced with a very obvious answer to mm-hmm. a question and he chooses to ignore it for, for 16 episodes. <laughs> for as smart as Nathan Ford is, he's also just very fucking dumb. He is not very introspective. No. Like, he just doesn't seem to understand who he is at a fundamental level, mm-hmm. which is bizarre to me. But, you know, that's just, that's him, that's a character trait. You yeah. Know? Like, it's not out of character, it's just... Kind very, of annoying. It's, like, it's, come on, dude. As an audience member, I find it frustrating purely because I'm like, we have been very clearly set up to believe a particular thing about this character. Mm -hmm. And so to watch the character be like, that's his main internal struggle for an entire season Mm -hmm. is like, okay, like whatever. What I will say is that was way less prominent this this season. It was much less, 
oh, we're going to remind you every single episode that this is a conundrum that Nate is struggling with. And it was more like, we're going to build things into the story that make you think about this. And then we will come back to it at the crux. And like, as much as I was still like, this is a very obvious fucking thing, because we've established this. Mm. It felt way less frustrating through the season because it wasn't like constantly being put in my face. Mm. And so when you get to the end of the season and, you know, Nate's standing there and he's doing his little speech and like, blah, blah, blah. And we get the iconic line. My dad would have bought me an ice cream. Yeah. I really enjoyed that sort of, I don't know if I would call it a reveal, but I really enjoyed that scene and the way that you could see the cogs whirring and like, you knew that he already knew the outcome mm-hmm. and as well as the audience. The audience already knew the outcome, which is that he wasn't going to kill them. But then that asked, like, that asked the question, well, what is going to happen? Mm. And so I think that that was a really interesting way for them to broach the topic rather than like previous seasons where it's been like someone genuinely looked at him and went, well, are you a thief? <laughs> you know, or like, who are you? And he's like, I'm a thief. And I was like, all right. Cool. Glad you finally caught up. You spent the rest of the season stealing shit from people. Yeah. Like, this was not a huge intellectual leap. Like, (laughs) it's like, okay, bro. Like, glad you finally caught up with the class. But, yeah, this felt like a much nicer way for them to introduce Nate understanding this about himself. And it felt, like, both plot relevant but also character relevant. And it didn't feel like it was thrown in because they had previously established it. Like, I just enjoyed that sort of whole setup and follow through Mm -hmm. in terms of him. Otherwise, I think that Nate has matured a lot Mm -hmm. over the last few seasons. And I think that that became very apparent here because this season, they really didn't have that much of him drinking. We Mm -hmm. didn't really have that much of him being just a general like prick. Mm -hmm. It was a lot more like when Hardison decided he wanted to run that job and like Nate was taking notes and he was like, no, 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 you know, you know what's best you whatever. Mm. And we knew he was being kind of an ass, Mm -hmm. but it was also like, he was trying to let go of that like helicopter parent instinct and actually like let Hardison try. And then at the end of the day, like he gave Hardison actual constructive feedback and, you know, encouraged him to try again. And, you know, I think that that sort of maturity was really nice to see Nate really grow into this season, even while he was being completely immature about him and Sophie. Like, it's nice to see him having development. Yeah. Because my main criticism about Nate as a character up to this point has just been they keep putting him in these same fucking cycles. And it's like, we already know. Like, we know that his drinking is bad. We get it. We know his son is dead and he's sad about it. Like, we've been there. (laughs) We've done that. It's nice to see him branching out and to see him actually maturing and growing rather than just going through the rotations of like, I'm drinking too much. Oh no, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. They make me do an intervention of some kind. I'm fine for a bit. I'm drinking just a little bit. Oh no, I'm drinking too much. You know, it's causing a problem. It's nice that they've broken that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also a really nice touch point because at the end of the season, we get the confrontation between Nate and his father where he says, I know about your drinking. I know about your anger. I know about your rage. Like, I know you because I am you. And it's like finally addressing the fucking elephant in the room about Nate's drinking. Mm -hmm. And that's, he is essentially becoming his father and he fucking hates that with a burning passion. Anyway, moving on to the queen, Sophie Devereaux. How are you feeling about her? I love her. I like that she keeps bullying Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I 
think the most iconic moment of Sophie all season is where she pulls Maggie in as her like plus yes. one essentially <laughs> for the finale and Nate's like my fucking wife and she's like ex-wife at the same time as Maggie and they are iconic and I love the fact that like canonically now Sophie is better friends with Maggie than Nate is with Maggie and that is so fucking funny. I really love that this season we're like we get to see Sophie just kind of be happy like yeah she's not having any kind of internal struggle there's no real threat against her like that's not you know just generally against Mm -hmm. the team as a whole yeah and like the biggest threat that she's dealing with is the fact that Nate is an idiot Mm -hmm. and mostly she's just having fun with that yeah and she knows that Mm -hmm. and like I love seeing her like get to experience him actually treating her properly yeah, you know, like I, I forget what episode it is, but whichever one where they're pretending to date, you know, like the fake dating AU make it an mm-hmm. episode where we were like, what is the layout of this restaurant for fucking 45 minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. I think it's nice to see her sort of be able to experience that genuine care because, like, I think that the way that all of these characters, excluding Nate, have kind of existed has been, like, any relationships they have had has been kind of surface level out of necessity a lot of the time. Yeah. And we even, like, that was a big part of Sophie's arc in season two. And so it's very nice to see that she is more settled, mm-hmm. I think. And I think that she has really... She's also matured. She's become confident in her identity, which is something yeah. that is really important considering, especially her season one and season two arcs. Yes. And so it's nice to see that, like, now... In season four, like, she is confident in herself. She is confident in her team. She is confident in Nate, even if he's a fucking moron. Mm -hmm. You know, she has these securities. And I think it has been nice to kind of see her relax into them. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and for all of the, you know, stress of the job that they run and stuff, it's still nice. I think that she has been able to kind of let herself, yeah, relax into, into the team dynamic and into the sort of roles that they have formed and she's sort of relaxed into that mother role. Like she, we see her a lot this season Mm -hmm. helping Parker who is like struggling with navigating her relationship with Hardison and, you know, bits and pieces. And I think that that is just a nice extension from something like the ho 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 job where like, Mm -hmm. it was very much like Nate and Sophie and the kids, you know, I think that it's, it's nice that we're finally getting to really see Sophie become comfortable with who she is and be comfortable in her leadership role within the team. Yeah, mm. I like it. I think both Nate and Sophie have really settled into their corresponding maternal and paternal figureheads. Like, mm-hmm. I think that is really the shift we've seen with them this season is they have just sort of taken on that those roles sort of wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. All right, lovely. Well, how are you feeling about Elliot at the end of the season? Again with Elliot, I just... I don't feel like mm-hmm. Elliot has an, you know... I don't mean to start any fights, but I don't think that Elliot has that significant character development mm-hmm. across the season. And I feel like I find myself saying that every season. Like, yeah. I think of the characters, we just kind of get less from Elliot. And I think part of that is intentional because yeah. we know less about Elliot kind of generally. But also I think it is because we don't see him in the context of a romantic dynamic mm-hmm. because we get a lot out yeah. of Parker and Hardison because of their interactions together and as a couple. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of individually, but to each other and then as a couple. And same with Nate and Sophie. With Elliot, we just don't. And so I think that the reason that I don't get a huge sense of 
Elliot's development is because we don't really see him in those more vulnerable conversations very often. Mm. And when we do, they're usually kind of elusive. Like last season when he said to Parker, like, don't ask me to tell you. It's like, okay, we get, mm. we get that it was bad, but like we actually don't really learn anything. Mm-hmm. And so I find it kind of hard to track his development. I'm sure it's there, mm-hmm. but I find it difficult to specifically follow. I think that what I will say is that he, similarly to Sophie, and really to all of them to an extent, has really relaxed into the team dynamic this season. And I think part of that is because of not having Moreau over his shoulder, sort of metaphorically, which he did have the previous three seasons. Mm -hmm. I also think that the scene at the very end of the finale where he's getting all excited about the Mm -hmm. hypothetical bat signal like thing, I think that's very fun. And like the fact that he is allowing himself to be perceived as enjoying a potentially nerdy Mm -hmm. thing... I think actually says more about his character than the vast majority of the rest of the season. Because his whole thing is like making fun of Hardison for like having these nerdy interests and like, you know, just sort of picking on him a little bit and having a dig about how he's a nerd and he likes all this nerdy shit. And so the fact that he allows himself to be perceived as like maybe being, you know, a little nerdy, I think is actually like a really interesting vulnerability for (laughs) him to sort of display and obviously, like, it shows that he feels comfortable with them and he feels safe and he, he knows that at the end of the day, like, they're not going to think that he's not tough anymore, you know, if he yeah. is also like, okay, but, like, what if I was, like, Batman, <laughs> you know? Like, what's cooler, a bloody wolf or a knife? No, a wolf's cooler. A wolf is cooler. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, I think also what's really hard about Elliot is so much of his character is in what's unsaid. Yeah. So much of it is in the implications. So much of it is in, you know, the things that he purposefully emits from the team. Which is interesting, but very difficult to follow as a first-time viewer. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's mm. depths there, but I'm just not reaching them because I'm skating over the top. I'm yeah. skipping the surface. All right, lovely. Well, how are you feeling about Parker? Love her. Mm-hmm. I think she has been really interesting this season. Um, again, like, I keep wanting to say, like, the team just are, like, sort of becoming comfortable. And, mm-hmm. like, not that I think they were uncomfortable the previous three seasons, but I just feel like there is less inter-team tension this mm-hmm. season. Like, I think, like, there's no will they, won't they really left with Nate and Sophie. There's no really will they, won't they left with Parker and Hardison. Mm-hmm. Elliot's not keeping the secret of Moreau from them anymore. Like, I think that all of them have just really let themselves kind of sink into the metaphorical beanbag that is the team structure. Yeah. And it's really nice to see. And I think that one of the things that is really important about growth is that you have to feel safe to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think watching Parker particularly sort of explore her dynamic with Hardison has been really interesting this season. Like, you know, and the way that she's going to Sophie for help, you know, or Mm -hmm. she is... Uh, talking to her friend whose name I forget. Peggy. Peggy, yes, you know. I think that the fact that we get that she and Peggy are still friends and, like, catching up, I think that is a fa- uh, fascinating insight mm. into her character because I never would have thought that Parker on her weekends was catching up with Peggy for And going to book club. Yeah. Like, crazy. Like And brunch. It's not hard. There are forks. Yeah, right. Like, and, like, I think that's such a fun little insight that we get into 
her life and you know what she's doing and what she's enjoying and that is just so different to what Parker would have been in season one Mm -hmm. and I also think that it's incredibly important that this season we get Archie acknowledging her as uh, a daughter Mm -hmm. that immediate sort of acceptance I suppose of her new role like I think is really interesting I think that obviously I said before like you know she has that speech in in the long way down job and we also have the whole um episode where Hardison is like buried alive which the name of which I forget you know I think that those episodes in particular are really interesting for Parker as well and her development and the way that she feels about how she has lived her life so far and how that is impacting how she wants to live her life moving forward now that she's being confronted by these scenarios like the first scenario basically being dying alone essentially without Mm. your team and abandoned and the second scenario being just losing Harvison and mm-hmm. I think having to reckon with how much she actually cares. And also when you contrast that against like, you know, the Queen's Gambit job where we see and she's like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. And Hardison reminds her, you're part of a team now. Yeah. I have got you. Yeah. We're all here to back you up. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is also like an important acknowledgement of Parker's development is like, and again, I, I really think it comes down to, like, this season, there is really nothing to prevent them all from relaxing properly. Yeah. Like, obviously, they've got someone who's, like, on the outside looking in, but they're on the outside. Mm. There's nothing in between them Yeah. that's causing tension. There are no secrets being kept. It's not like when the Italian was only speaking to Nate, mm-hmm. you know, and Nate wasn't telling them fucking everything and, like, whatever else. Like, there were also very few if any episodes this season when they like kept things the only thing that's popping to mind is when he said to Elliot like it's better if you let me do this alone but then even then Elliot fully trusted him to leave you know and left Nate alone with what ended up being Jimmy you know and so I think that it yeah I think it just comes back to like all of these characters have really become very comfortable with each other and relaxed into this trust Mm mm-hmm and you're going to ask me about Hardison and I'm going to say the same fucking thing. Like, okay. So how are you feeling about Hardison? <laughs> I think he's really learned to be comfortable and relax into trust with the team. And also, like, that's particularly reflected in this season when he wants to be, you know, in more of a leadership position. And they all trust him to do that, you know. And Nate's there, like, I see this going badly. And he's right, ultimately. But the fact that the whole team trusted Hardison to take the lead and were fully ready to commit to whatever he was going to try and get them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that is, is incredible really. And also at the end of the day, the reason why Hardison's plan didn't work isn't because the team weren't doing their best work for Hardison. It was just Hardison hadn't anticipated the inevitable stuff that you learn to anticipate when you have experience running these sort of jobs. Yeah. And I think also like to a, certain extent i think he was trying to impress Mm -hmm. his father figure being nate and also like he was trying so hard that he overcomplicated it like he Mm -hmm. was trying so hard to like both to impress nate but also to just like make sure he did a good job and in doing that he completely overwhelmed himself he overcomplicated everything yeah and like i think part of it probably just comes down to like just nerves like Mm -hmm. wanting to make sure everything goes perfectly and like you know just planning it to the nth degree and just forgetting that you can't do that mm-hmm. because you have to have room to be adaptable. And yeah, it's just, um, it's just interesting to watch Hardison sort of try to fill that leadership position with a lot of intention and the time to overthink it. 
versus towards the end of the season in like the finale where like he's running that team meeting because Nate is not around. Yeah. And yes, like Elliot and Parker and Sophie all like put their sort of words in, mm-hmm. but Hardison is the one standing at the front taking them through the scenario. Like, and I think that that is a really interesting way for them to end the season given that we've seen him sort of go from asking Nate, hey, like, can I get some tips kind of thing to him actually being like, hey, can I run this con to it kind of going to shit to getting the feedback from Nate. And then like when push comes to shove, he is able to do it because he's not overthinking it. He's not trying to impress anybody. He is just doing what he knows how to do. And he is working well with his team. Mm -hmm. And also like obviously stuff with Parker, but like Hardison was already well aware of the stuff happening with Parker. It was really her that was uh, catching up on that. Yeah, she was was a little behind the April, but she's getting there. Yeah. All right, lovely. And so what do you think is going to happen moving into season five? No, fucking no, man. (laughs) It's... It's, again, it's not like Supernatural in the sense where it's like, oh, this has happened, now they must deal with the fallout, you know, that's going to be what the next season's about. Yeah. This is just like, I don't fucking know, Dubinich is gone again, Yeah. you know, this guy, whose name I've already forgotten, uh, is not going to be bothering them anymore, like, you know. <laughs> Latimer. Latimer, that's yeah. the one, you know. <laughs> I think that it's the final season, we are likely to probably get a lot of fun guests back. I wouldn't be shocked if we had the actress who plays Maggie back. If we don't get Sterling, I'm going to commit a crime. I think it would be fun to get the FBI agents that we've had recurring back. I think it would be fun to get Adam and Maria would be a delight. I think it would be fun to get uh, Peggy and what's his name? Oh, Hurley. Hurley. Yes, thank you. I think it would be fun to get the thief Mm -hmm. that was a fanboy of Parker's from the... Mattingly. Mattingly. Thank you. I can Mm -hmm. never remember anyone's fucking names. (laughs) But they all have multiple fucking syllables, and I've only seen them, like, twice ever. Yeah. It's really hard. But... Obviously, some more McSweeten. I said the FBI guys. Oh. Yeah. Well, that doesn't count. You need to name them by names. Oh. you got to remember... you got to no. at least remember McSweeten. The rest <sighs> I'll forgive, because I've made appearances in, like, two episodes, but, like... And Taggart. Like, McSweeten and Taggart, I think, are actually the most reoccurring characters on Leverage. I want them back. Mm-hmm. I think I would like to meet Hardison's Nana, if that's a possibility. I think that would be very fun. Mm-hmm. I think I would actually really like to get more background on, like, Sophie's previous alias as, like, mm-hmm. the heiress or whatever she was, the Duchess. Mm-hmm. I think that is kind of, like, a weird lead that they buried that I would yeah. very much like them to revisit because it was, like, weirdly significant and... Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be very strange for them to not readdress it. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see maybe a more significant direction for Elliot's character. You know, I think that would be quite satisfying because like I said at the moment, like he kind of is just existing around the rest of the team. And like, he's not like he doesn't have an important role to play, but I feel like they underutilize him a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, they make the joke of like, he's just the hitter. Like he mm-hmm. just beats people up, but like, Ultimately, yeah, like, they kind of reduce him to that. And I would prefer for him to have a bit more development, a bit more of, like, a forward plot, I suppose. I think what it comes down to for Elliot is, like, he kind of gets sidelined in the actual plot of the episode because he gets reduced to the hitter. But also he doesn't have a personal B-plot of a relationship like the others do. And not to say that I think he needs a relationship. I would just like him to have a B-plot of some kind. Because he always kind of gets B-plotted in the actual plot. Yeah. And unlike Sophie or Nate or Parker or Hardison, we don't have individual scenes with him one-on-one with someone else. 
mm-hmm. a lot of the time where we really get him having a specific plot individually. Yeah. And so whatever shape that might take, I would like that to happen. I still want to see him run a food truck out of uh, Lucille because I just think that would be really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, lovely. Well, I think we'll leave that one there. Oh, and I want to know what their new location is going to be. And if it's a bat cave, I would so be into that. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm assuming that, like, you know, Nate's apartment is kind of... Like, they already had snipers there earlier yeah, like, this season. I don't think that... <laughs> like, they've, they've already, like... They basically already moved out. They've come so close to, like, having the location of the apartment be, like, fully blown, like, no mm-hmm. longer viable. But I think at the end of this one, like, they, they say that, you know, they've now framed... Dubinich and Latimer for like all of the shit that they've done over the years Mm -hmm. so I think it's like yeah at this point it's like it's pretty obvious that like maybe they're not going to be operating out of Nate's apartment anymore um it would be a shame for them to lose the bar as a location though yeah I kind of hope they keep that but it also seems silly for them to keep that but lose the apartment yeah so Hardison owns that building so I wonder if maybe he'll sell it or like or just like keep renting it out like (laughs) Like, what is the what is the deal there you know Mm. um but yeah so I'm interested to see what they kind of end up doing with that. I think it would be cool for them to do some kind of... uh, Number one, I think it would be cool for them to really mix it up and do some kind of, like, secret underground lair type scenario like they did with the finale. But also part of me just loved the homeliness of it being the apartment. Yeah. So I don't really know... Like, part of me wants them to change it up and part of me is just, like, they should just go to a different apartment. Just get a new apartment! They should just have a different house that they live in together. Yeah, this was made before the housing shortage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I think that pretty well wraps up our fourth season thoughts. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to talk to us at all outside of these, please come and join us on, you know, Discord. Is it still Twitter? Is it X I refuse or to call it anything but Twitter. It's fucking Twitter. It's if fucking anyone, Twitter. If anyone yeah. wants to have a new website called something else, he should have started mm. from scratch. Like he's an idiot. <laughs> you can find me. You can find us on Tumblr as well. Wherever you want to find us, like come and find us. Hang out with us a little bit. We are at the end of the day always up for friends. So please talk to us about literally anything. But like, if you've got any distinct thoughts on the fourth season, is it your favorite? Are you like me? Are you a season four girly? Are you? Which season's your favorite season of Leverage? I would be interested in hearing that too, especially like before I go mm-hmm. into season five, because I think season four is my favorite so far. Yeah. I would be intrigued if anyone thinks like specifically like season five trumps. You yeah. Know? I'd be, I'd be keen yeah. to, to know mm-hmm. the thoughts going in. Not like obviously spoiler stuff, but just yeah. like, you know, vibes. <laughs> just is, which is your favorite season? Is it season four or is it like season three? I know a lot of people really do... Season three has some good episodes. Yeah. Like, overall, I think the plot disappointed me, but, like, the actual individual Mm -hmm. episodes, stellar. Yeah. All right, lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Please have a lovely evening, morning, afternoon, light, lunch, brunch, whatever the time of the day or night you decide to listen to us. Please join us again next week for the start of season five. Bye.